0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THE ATHLETIC and you'll get a one year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving at the Welcome match. to Anything Is Possible! The Boston Celtics Podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat Reporter from The Athletic. Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and Jay, I just, uh, I had a momentary panic because I forgot the order in which I, I introduced your titles, but I think I got it correctly, right? Yeah, you were right. Okay, for some reason, I just was like midway You saying, thought you
2: said the God, the kid?
1: No for, no, for some reason, I was like, the God doesn't go second, doesn't, uh, but it does, uh, and then it's the legend. The, so-
2: God, the God might have to go first, honestly. That's no. like the most accurate-
1: no, but you literally call yourself the kid. <laughs> you, had, you you were in a wedding, and everyone was just like, "Oh, the kid has become a man." You are the kid more than you are anything else.
2: The kid has always been a man.
1: That is uh, far from true. You you didn't become a man until like two weeks ago.
2: I've been a man since I, a grown ass man since I was
1: born. <laughs> Lying. Okay, we are back <laughs> <laughs> for the second time this week because I think we are uh, have cursed the Boston Celtics. Two weeks ago, we released a podcast, and I think three hours after that, Danilo Gallinari announced that he's getting surgery. Uh, then we re- recorded another podcast, talked all about the Celtic center depth and kind of the need for a third center. And the day we released that podcast, the news comes out that Robert Williams is going to have surgery, cleanup surgery, his second surgery on that left knee, and will miss four to six weeks. The athletic Jared Weiss is reporting that he was kind of ramping things back up to just trying to get back into shape and for the season felt a little discomfort and the Celtics elected that he would go in and have that cleanup surgery, uh, you know, just try try to get it out of the way now. So he'll be ready, uh, by the time the, or close to when the season actually starts. Jay, what does this mean for the Celtics, uh, moving forward, uh, with Robert Williams, this is definitely something that everyone had a concern about. Something we mentioned before is that he's never had a real long, uh, good bill of health.
2: Yeah, and, and that's a concern here: is that the knee stuff lingers, and his body doesn't get right, and now he's lost training camp, and and he like that. That's a concern: is just the extended injury history, because really him missing a couple games at the beginning of the season probably won't matter at all. Like it could make the Celtics look worse against Joel Embiid on opening night. It could, could set up Luke Cornette for some tough moments against Joel on opening night. Uh, But, but when you really think about he's missing four to six weeks, he'll come back sometime. If he, if that timetable is correct sometime in the first, week or two of the regular season, and everything will be fine. Um, and so I think the the Celtics were right not to overreact to the injury news and go out and try to get another name center. Because um, quite frankly, I don't think any of the available like veteran centers are good. Like, did you want them? Did you want them to sign one of those guys? Were you sitting there clamoring for Dwight Howard?
1: No, I saw people clamoring for Hassan Whiteside, claiming that like he really has not—he's got his 15-foot jumper down. I was not looking forward to that. Uh, I just didn't think bringing if if you're
2: looking if you're looking for Hassan Whiteside's 15-foot jumper, you are a sick, sick man.
1: (laughs) I saw people out there. The internet's full of sickos. no, there's just not. there's like, if they're available right now in the free agent market, they're not like a quality center. Like, and I, I don't like, I think the, uh, I talked myself into maybe Lamarcus Aldrich because, uh, of like his Ime Yudoka connection. And I was looking at his stats and like he did some stuff. He on actually offense.
2: got buckets last year.
1: Yeah, he actually scored points. And I remember some games against the Celtics where he was just, like, unstoppable in the mid-range. And so I was, like, talking myself into the the offensive boost of LaMarcus Aldridge. But then I thought, like, that's not... Like, I feel like you probably just want someone who can come in and give you some solid defense and, you know, take 20 minutes against a guy like Joel Embiid for this role. Especially because Robert Williams, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss a lot of games. So just bringing in a guy... I like I also talked myself into, like, oh you just bring a savvy vet, you know. You always want a good vet in the locker room. That always helps things out. So i like I somewhat talked myself into Lamarcus Aldridge, but other than that, like there's no one really else out there who made a lot of sense. Like they're either like someone with that much clout, I guess, is probably gonna want playing time. You
2: weren't a Tristan Thompson reunion type of guy. Oh
1: my god, absolutely not. Although I w if only if he did the postgame show. Because Tristan Thompson loved keeping it real and swearing a lot. I was a big fan of that, Tristan Thompson. I was, I not was a, a big of- fan
2: of when he, when he went at Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. no. Like Kevin O'Connor is quite literally like the nicest person in sports media. And Tristan Thompson just went after him one night after a game. And that was when we weren't actually at the press conferences. So I was just sitting on my couch watching – Zoom of Tristan Thompson just verbally assaulting Kevin O'Connor, and it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
1: If you could guarantee that at least once a month, I would welcome back Tristan Thompson because that's just good old fashioned uh, and comedy if just and entertainment. Started
2: started taking aim at at media members?
1: No, no, no. Just just Kevin O'Connor. Just because it's so <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's the nicest guy I've ever met, and it's so out of my personality to take. Like report issues of like I think Kevin reported that like there was some locker room issues. Uh and apparently well, that season they didn't even uh they didn't really do that well. So I, I felt like it turned out to be pretty accurate reporting that uh Tristan Thompson wasn't working out with the Celtics, but um no. I there's no veteran big man that I was like, Yes, the Celtics need to go get that guy for the six games that Robert Williams might miss. And I think the big question with Robert Williams is Obviously, they don't need to rush them back. It's the start of the year; season doesn't really start till Christmas. Like, you don't need—I don't know. I say that, and then immediately think like it's an Eastern Conference. Like the it's a pretty stacked Eastern Conference this year. The seating might matter a little bit more, so you might want to like bank some wins early if you can. If you're Celtics, but you don't want to rush him back. You want the long-term health. But does it become a type of thing where it's like Robert Williams doesn't play on back-to-backs, and then you kind of have a, both Robert Williams and Al Horford don't play on back-to-backs? It's really all setting up. For Brad Stevens' favorite player, to, he has – Luke Cornett has a moment right now. Luke Cornett has his M&M moment. Like, he, he has one shot. Well, I guess he has the, the multiples. Got to lose this, himself. Yeah. But to start the season, he's got this opportunity. And it's like so many times you hear in the NBA, it's like, yeah, this guy's really talented. But he just – like There's you know,
2: vomit on his sweater already.
1: Yes. Mom's spaghetti product. Um. <laughs> but I feel like now Luke Cornett is like clearly he's going to be the first guy to get a like do you think they start I feel like I saw Forsberg wrote an article arguing that like Grant Williams maybe slides in to get that starting role if they want to start two bigs but it feels like no matter what they're going to need a third big and it's like it's Luke Cornett's time to shine baby
2: so I feel like if they start Cornet. And honestly, like this is probably going to be like two or three games at the start of the regular season. It's not like Robert Williams is going to miss a month or two months. As long as the timetable is correct, he's going to be back very, very soon. And this is just going to be such a small blip on the radar. Um, But I I feel like if Luke Garnett starts, you've got to bring another actual center off the bench, right? And then is it like Cobb and Galley? Do you do you fuck around and put Noah Vonley in there?
1: You might. You might fuck around and try both of them. Everyone gets a turn.
2: Yeah. And like I, they're putting trust in Luke Cornette right now. Uh I also think they have to uh, they have to gauge at some point this season. They'll have a lot of time. But they have to gauge whether Luke Cornette or Gabengeli or whoever else emerges from the training camp competition can play legitimate playoff minutes. Cause it's one thing to soak up regular season minutes. Like you'll be carried by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown.
1: Well, you need, you need to be Al like Harford. competent. You need to be competent in the regular season in order to like to prove yourself in the playoffs. Like, I don't think they can just suck in the regular season. At yeah. First. But like, like, it's still a heat, test.
2: The heat won a lot of games with like, Omer, you're at seven. Playing minutes last year and you might not even know who that is
1: i'm aware of the yurt man of course i know omer yurt (laughs) seven
2: okay good because i would have been very disappointed in you if you didn't uh but i'm saying like that's a guy that's totally fine in the regular season but if you put him in the eastern conference finals against the celtics he'd probably be really bad like very very bad there's a and reason the Celtics, we didn't
1: see him in the Eastern Conference Finals.
2: And the Celtics need to decide whether Cornette, Cobb and Gelly, whoever, is regular season ready or playoff ready. And there's a huge difference. And if neither of them are playoff ready, if nobody's playoff ready, then at some point they're going to have to go and get a backup center who can play those minutes. And And I think this Robert Williams procedure, like it's not the biggest deal. It's Probably a pretty small deal. Uh, it could linger. Who knows? It already has lingered, um, and obviously, the, another injury for a guy who's been injury prone his whole career is, is not good. But it's probably but not it's the not biggest like, deal.
1: It's not like a new injury, and I'm pretending to know stuff about uh, medical science and knees right now. But it's described as like a cleanup surgery, and it just oh, makes you're sense a fake to ass me. Doctor. I'm not a fake-ass doctor. I'm a real-ass fake-ass doctor. Uh, I, I admitted my biases up front. I'm not trying to pretend here. But he did come You're back.
2: real-ass fake-ass
1: doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was pretty clear when I said that, Jay. I don't see what you don't get about that. There you go. All right. Uh, um, but he came back like seemingly as quick as he could from the initial surgery and clearly was not 100% healthy in that playoff run. And so – Based on my very, very limited medical knowledge, it just makes sense to me that like the idea of he didn't give it full time to heal and he probably needs something to go in there because he was getting his knee drained like every... I think it was every after every game pretty much. Like It clearly didn't go through the full extensive rehab process that I think you normally would when you have this surgery. And so from my real-ass, fake-ass perspective, uh, the cleanup surgery (laughs) just makes sense.
2: Yeah, and also... I mean, he, obviously, he was hurting beyond the fact that he was literally just limping around for game after game. He missed, I think, five games even after he came back. Like, he came out and then had a setback and then was out for a while and then had, a, I think, another setback, then was out for a little while, then came back and was like really, really hobbling around late in the Miami series and somehow found enough athleticism and gumption to have a really, really impressive final series against Golden State, despite all the injury stuff. um, So so it's not a surprise that some of that stuff lingered. Like, that was – he pushed it to the limit and beyond the limit so that he could help the Celtics get to the finals and potentially win the finals. And And he was really helpful. Like, that Golden State series – was close games were close the series was close they were up 2-1 partly because he was really freaking good in some of those games I I I forget off the top of my head what his plus minus was in that finals but it was ridiculous <laughs> like the Celtics destroyed the Warriors when he was on the court um and obviously they didn't have as much success at other times but he he's a transformational player for them He really changes what they can do offensively, defensively, everything. Um, So we can't understate his importance. We can't understate the importance of him being injured again and having whatever injury risk moving forward. Um, But we've already known. It's not like Robert Williams becoming an injury risk is is new. That's been his whole career. That's been what has separated him from becoming – Maybe one of the better centers of the league is, like, he just can't always stay on the court. Uh, and and now now it'll be at the start of the season. But I, I think it really it really shined a light on, like, how important it is that the Celtics have a good backup center at some point. And it's okay. If, like, they think Luke Cornett's going to be fine. They think whoever's behind Luke Cornett will be fine if you just play in minutes during the regular season. And I think they're probably right. They have enough talent at the guard position. They have enough talent at the wing. They have guys who can help carry those guys if they're not quite good enough for playoff basketball. But, like, at some point, that backup center position needs to be solidified. And maybe it's Luke Cornette stepping up. Maybe it's Gailey stepping up. Maybe it's who knows. Um... Vonley, whoever but somehow they need to find a playoff ready guy because because stuff like this can happen because Robert Williams is really injury prone and because Al Horford is 36 years old and you're not always going to be able to rely on those guys being able to play 30 plus minutes per night and this is just another reminder of that like that's just very, as obvious as it gets that they need someone who can beat Daniel Tice for them at some point,
1: and who just we, doesn't
2: fuck things up if he's in the middle of a playoff game?
1: And we we know someone who's not going to step up uh, for everyone. And listening out there, I'm sorry if I'm the one to break this to you, but the Celtics actually waived Bruno Caboclo Caboclo
2: uh, Caboclo,
1: who's still two years away from being two years away, so he will not be on the roster anymore. They did was, sign.
2: He was like two days away from being two days away from training camp <laughs> he When was. they cut him.
1: <laughs> they also, uh, according to Bobby Manning, young beat reporter for CLNS, the Lu- the Celtics are going to sign Luka Samanic, a 22-year-old Croatian forward, 6'10", was the 19 overall draft pick for the Spurs in 2019. Uh, he's a G League fella. He, uh, played for the Westchester Knicks, and put up 28, 10, and 3 assists, shooting 54% from the field. That's pretty wild stats. Uh, Do you know anything about this Croatian giant?
2: He's a little bit of a combo big. He's got a little bit of skill to him. And he's young and was a first-round pick the same year that both Grant Williams and Gelly were first-round picks. So the Celtics are loading up on big men from the 2019 draft. Um, will he amount to anything? I have no idea. Will he be on the main Red Claws this season? Probably.
1: He definitely won't because they're the main Celtics now.
2: That is, I guess that's true. <laughs> but But he's like the type of guy you'd want to take a flyer on. He's a 22-year-old. Oh, I have a complete
1: nonsense. When I where I play pickup, everyone just calls me Red Claws because when Nick Freeman was a coach with the Red Claws, he gave me a bunch of Red Claws gear, and so I always hoop when, uh, in Red Claws like long sleeve shirts and shorts, like workout stuff. And so people people man, don't know right? my name; they just they just like, oh, it's Red Claws. And I think that's I did I didn't sign up for that, but I'll take that nickname.
2: See, people I play with know my name.
1: Yeah, because you just say I'm the fucking kid. Guess who's here? Any any room you've ever entered, you just announce yourself. That's not really my style, Jay.
2: <laughs> Nobody knows my name either. <laughs> I just had to, I just had to say that. So I have two um,
1: two questions for you. Okay. Earlier or after I saw the Robert Williams news, I tweeted out: By Christmas, Luke Cornett will have multiple double doubles. Agree or disagree? Uh, <laughs> multiples Just two. He just needs to get two double-doubles. Will he have a game where he gets more than 10 points and more than 10 rebounds?
2: I feel like he might. I, I'm. I, you know what? So he needs two double-doubles by Christmas?
1: Yes. See, I think it's possible. A- especially, I'm looking right now if there's a back-to-back. Like, there's a back-to-back in the... Uh, First week, Miami and Orlando, maybe Al Horford sits one of those out. There's another back-to-back, multiple back-to-backs in November, three back-to-backs in November, maybe. He just needs a game where he gets 35 minutes or something, and I think it's very much doable.
2: So I just looked at Tice's numbers from last year just for a little bit of reference. He had one double-double with the Celtics.
1: How many minutes did he get in that game? (laughs)
2: <laughs> 41 <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why was Dice playing Was this a game where the, all the starters were resting
2: It was that random game in Toronto when
1: Oh the last week of the season
2: <laughs> What? Yeah with a couple of weeks After the season when Most of the starters didn't play And he had 13 points And 10 rebounds Just barely snuck out the 10th rebound So I'm going to go no Luke Cornett is not going to get <laughs> Two double-doubles. But maybe maybe he will eclipse Tice in the double-double race. Tice wasn't know. really
1: known for his boards. Like I feel like Cornette's uh, a little bit... Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to talk myself into this. The, the boards are... I I do think he's going to score double digits uh, in multiple times. It's really the rebounds that I'm most worried about for my Cornette prediction.
2: Tice never really came too close to another one. Uh, he had 10 points and 8 rebounds once. After Robert Williams got hurt, when he See? played twenty nine minutes,
1: it's got to be on a had, night in,
2: in the final game of the regular season, which is a weird one. When like, I'm not sure the Celtics wanted to win, but they still, <laughs> they still did because the Grizzlies definitely didn't want to win. He had eleven eleven and nine in that one, so he was close that one. Um, I mean, there's a chance you you're not definitely going to lose that one, but by Christmas is also aggressive because there's a chance Robert Williams only misses (laughs)
1: like (laughs) a couple games. Well, well, that leads me to my next question. I'm talking as if like, I just tweeted that immediately on appearing uh, Robert Williams is going to have surgery. And then I didn't realize, Oh, he's probably just like, he'll be back by November and miss what five games. But I saw from your article talking about Robert Williams, that he has uh, some incentives in his contract. And if he plays, 69 games this season he gets basically close to half a million dollars and so given this injury and then given that i wouldn't be surprised if like you you don't see robert williams playing back-to-backs uh you know just like it feels like that makes sense for a guy coming off two surgeries in the offseason do you think robert williams hits that incentive
2: that's a no no, I don't.
1: Yeah, I would be surprised because that's only missing no. 13 games. And if he's like already going to miss five yeah, or something if, like that if to you start book the four, season.
2: If you book four or five early, and then like you said, he he might not play back-to-backs. We know that the Celtics want to limit minutes and give their guys rest nights throughout the season. I I just don't see him reaching 69 games, especially because he's never played more than 61 in a season.
1: Kind of sneaky for the Celtics to put that 69-game incentive in there, knowing he's never played.
2: Classic Brad Stevens move.
1: Is Brad the one who negotiated the extension for him?
2: (laughs) Uh, Yes.
1: There he goes, Brad, shrewd negotiator, and nothing to do with uh, Mike Zarin probably doing that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> we'll give Brad the credit.
1: Well, we have to give Brad the credit. Uh, he's he's the only one who believes in Luke Cornett, uh and we'll see if he's right. I, I bet Brad Stevens would uh, sign up for the two double-doubles by Christmas. Brad Stevens seems to be a believer.
2: Let's do a to- total hypothetical. If If the Celtics had to sign one of the older guys, which they're not going to do, if they had to sign one of the older guys – the older big men, who would you want it to be?
1: Like from a basketball perspective or just like in general, who would be the most entertaining?
2: Who would you want the Celtics to sign?
1: Blake Griffin.
2: That was going to be my answer too.
1: I feel like uh, he would get, he gets cooked on defense as we saw, but like he can still shoot threes. Uh, He's a vet. And he just seems like a funny guy, a guy who would be like fun to have in the locker room, a person to talk to. I just think he'd be the most entertaining person to, to kind of bring in at this point.
2: He was also like legitimately good for the Nets two seasons ago. In 2020-21, during the playoffs, he was legitimately good for them and was a tough defensive force for them. And... Shot 53% from the field in the playoffs. Like, he's not that far removed from that. Now, maybe, maybe he's totally washed, mate, but I feel like seeing that out of him not too far, not too long ago, at least gives you hope that, like, he could maybe r- dig deep for something like that again. But who second?
1: Knows? My second answer. Greg Monroe, I just want to hear him yell "and one" again. You know, if the Celtics had tempo. signed
2: Greg Monroe, that also would have meant that they definitely weren't going to allow Greg Monroe to engineer a fourth quarter comeback against them, like That's he true. did for the Timberwolves last season. Which the,
1: the best defense sometimes is a, is a good offense, uh, as they always say. So maybe they need to do that to sign Greg Monroe. Tatum,
2: Tatum often said that the next loss was rock bottom for the Celtics. But that Timberwolves loss was worse. (laughs) It was way worse. It was Greg Monroe. It was Nathan Knight. It was... I mean, that was just a gross, gross game. And the Celtics had... I feel like they had a lot of their players go out. I don't remember exactly who was available. But they had a lot of their players playing. And Greg Monroe just diced them up.
1: (laughs) So... I'm telling you, he has game. He can still scream and one. He's got interior post moves. I think uh, – and I just re- remember the Moose years fondly uh, for when, when he was on the Celtics. So I think he's my definite second pick a- after Blake.
2: Who would be your last pick?
1: Hassan Whiteside. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hassan Whiteside's down there. I don't know him or Dwight. Dwight, I feel like – is still just a giant human being and could maybe be good. I just don't – I don't trust a man who owns snakes.
2: Hassan Whiteside owns snakes?
1: No, Dwight uh, Howard does.
2: Oh. I thought Hassan Whiteside owned snakes. He might. I
1: don't don't know that he doesn't own snakes. I just know – I can confirm that Dwight Howard does.
2: I went to visit one of my buddies in college one time and – I was the first one to fall asleep, which is a huge mistake when you're visiting someone in college.
1: Oh yeah, they're uh they ought do terrible things to you.
2: That that can open you up to, to some pranks. But his his roommate and I didn't know this. His roommate owned snakes, and 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 you them were out. like
1: sleeping on the couch in that room. I was
2: sleeping on the couch, and all of a sudden, this motherfucker dropped snakes. Thank God, not on top of me, because I would have fucking lost it but he dropped them right on the right on the desk like the little little coffee table in front of me and and then woke me up so that I would see them and I, when i tell you i was the most afraid i've ever been in my <laughs> life that is that is a petrifying thing to wake up to to little snakes
1: i've <laughs> had it with around. these motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking dorm room
2: exactly that was so I feel like Dwight probably has done that to a couple people in his life. If he does have snakes, like you claim,
1: I mean it's uh, it's not something I just made up. I felt like that was like pretty well known uh, basketball fandom facts, but maybe maybe that's just the perspective I bring as a fan, and you don't know these things as a journalist.
2: Yeah, I mean there are that's the part of the game that that I'm not fully in tune with. I guess
1: <laughs> I guess not. That's what you get, folks. You get the best of both worlds. Jay with all the reporting and me with random snake facts.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more.
1: Uh is there anything else we need to talk about for this Robert Williams uh surgery news?
2: What do you expect out of Luke Cornette?
1: Honestly, Besides I expect two
2: double-doubles by Christmas.
1: <laughs> uh three double-doubles. No, uh I think he's like a pretty just solid basketball player. I think the question is can he hold up defensively? But I feel like he's had some like decent like hands in in the role. I think he'd like make some solid passes. He can clearly shoot sometimes. I just want him to be able to play at most like 12 minutes a game. I need him to come in for 2-6 minute stretches and just kind of like be a gap and and not be a just I just want him to be average defensively and I really at this point I'm not relying on Luke Cornette to be anything offensively. Like, I think he can set picks. I think he can shoot. Obviously, no one's going to guard him. He doesn't really space the floor. But as long as he's just, like, a solid large body defensively, I think he can earn a role as a backup center. I think, like, I don't think he's going to be as, like, fleet of foot as Tice. Like, he's not going to block Trey Young on the perimeter to win a game. I just don't think, like, that's in his nature. But I just need him to be, like, a solid she needs to channel his like inner Kelly Olynyk and just play some solid positional defense and just be a giant body and like that's that's the role he just like that's the role he needs to solidify and so I'm not expecting much from him. It's just like don't be terrible on defense. That's all I'm asking, about cornet
2: He, I don't think he'll be terrible on defense. I do think he'll be different than any of the defenders they really played last year.
1: Well, you just automatically can't switch Luke Cornett onto anyone. Like maybe, the, like you have to play kind of a drop with him, or or something that doesn't get him. I out need on him the to bridge. switch
2: onto James Harden the first night <laughs> of the regular season, though.
1: You think? Do you actually think he starts? Like he starts game one just to keep the rotation? No, I, in- I think they'll
2: bring him off the bench because if you start him, then you have to play another center. I think they'll start Grant and bring Sam Hauser off the bench. Yeah, I think that makes sense.
1: But he's like, you're going to need to play him just against Joel Embiid because you need to throw another body against him that's not Al Horford.
2: Yeah, Al Horford will get most of those minutes. And Grant Williams will get some of those minutes. Like Grant Williams does a for a 6'6 or 6'5 guy, whatever he is. He does a pretty good job on Joel
1: Embiid. He's very underrated. And especially the playoff run and what Grant Williams was doing in terms of just like, by, like body on Giannis, body on Bam, like he's a very, very physical defender. And so I do think that covers up a little bit just because I do think you can play him. He's obviously not the, the size, but in terms of just like raw physicality, um, I think Grant uh, doesn't get as much credit for just being able to like they, for bringing that uh, like toughness and, and physical nature to the defensive end that – I think the Celtics are going to be missing uh, in Robert Williams' absence.
2: Didn't Joel Embiid once break Luke Cornett's nose?
1: I gotta say, I don't know. I gotta be ignorant on this one. You, you tell me.
2: I think when he was with the Knicks, Joel Embiid broke his nose.
1: Well, I know what he I'm had collision asking. collision
2: with Embiid. This could be a revenge game for, for Luke Cornette. I, I think people are underestimating the possibility of a re- revenge game here.
1: I know what your first question is going to be uh, on media day for Luke Cornette.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> is then... this a
1: revenge game? No. You. When's the last time you asked a really dumb question?
2: Uh, I mean, there are a lot of times I ask dumb questions. Most of the time, though, it's in like one-on-ones. And you well, can yeah, come back from it?
1: <laughs> it well, no, the part of asking a dumb question is in a, in a group setting is that every other reporter looks around and goes, oh, this fucking guy. When's the last time you did that?
2: It's, it, it's hard to ask like a question that's dumber than the normal group question. That's like, fair. The, the bar is very low. And so I'll tell you what, though. What, <laughs> when Kyrie was in town he would like
1: roll his eyes.
2: (laughs) He would, yeah. The way he would react, you had to like word your question in a certain way to get him to give like a full answer. And so, and
1: and his full answers were long and rambling and uh, uh, oftentimes seven sentences that did not connect whatsoever.
2: Yeah. And so, but sometimes that was when the questions could be really bad and he would make you look like an idiot. Um and I kind of appreciate Kelly Olinick would also make you look like an idiot sometimes too in a totally different way. He would just be like <laughs> like he would chuckle and be and just give you like a matter of fact answer to a question that you thought was clever and then he was like uh yeah, you're right. Like I I did slide my feet there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I have a, another question. This is mostly just a, a selfish question. Are the media going to be allowed back in the locker room pregame this season? Are the COVID restrictions lifted or is it all going to be like uh, the press conference mode?
2: I think we're back. Uh, last I heard we're back, it's going to be like normal times before-
1: well, that's cool. I mean, it, there's no better time than all the beat reporters hanging out in the Celtics locker room not talking to any players half hour before the game. That's where most of the friendships are made.
2: That actually is where all the relationships are
1: made. <laughs> it really is. Even with me, like, I've had, like, had a, most of my interactions with players, none of it's, like, on the record. I'm not doing a lot of reporting, but all my interactions with players are just, like, shooting the shit there. And that's where you actually learn a, bu- a bunch of stuff just about, like, who the guys kinda, like, kind of are. It's, uh, I think it's very key to the uh, not that I'm a journalist, but it, it feels like it's pretty important to like relationship building uh, in the NBA. So that's great. It's great that it's going to be back after what two and a half seasons. And it's we'll
2: actually be, back be back? able to talk to the guys who are on the end of the bench.
1: Yeah, because after
2: to- after games when it was just three people going to the podium or whatever, like it would be Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and somebody else, usually Marcus Smart or Al Horford. And so we didn't get to talk to half the guys on the team most of the time. So it'll be nice. To, it'll be nice to get to know Luke Cornett a little bit, you know.
1: Well, no, it'll I mean nice. if he's if he's getting double doubles, he's getting podium games. So I don't know if you're gonna you're gonna have to really create carve some space, box out for that Luke Cornette scrum.
2: That is true. That is that is. <laughs> I guess that's a valid point. I wonder if Noah Vonley will be a good guy.
1: Oh, well, Noah Vonley is gonna be really easy to talk to. He's from the area. You guys will just talk about local pizza shops, and you'll be uh, thick as thieves.
2: The local pizza shops suck. Boston pizza sucks. I'm not afraid to say it either. Except for figs, salute to figs.
1: Figs, figs is your go-to. You, you Beacon Hill scum. You've changed, man. You just talking about these bougie Beacon Hill restaurants. Oh, I'm sure you go to. You Frexpress don't like at figs? Paramount. Uh, I've never been to figs. I was just being reactionary. See
2: that? That's what I'm saying. Go go try figs, try the Red Sox pizza, try the Bronx Bomber, try the Quattro Formaggio.
1: How do you feel about Otto's pizza?
2: Where's Otto? I don't even know if I've had Otto's.
1: There's one in Harvard Square, which I once worked at. There's a bunch in Brookline. Um, they're spreading all over. They started in Portland, Maine. I think they're fantastic. I'm a big fan of Otto's pizza. I think you should try that out before you denigrate an entire city's pizza uh, other than figs.
2: Figs, Pizzeria Regina's decent. It's it's a suspect pizza city. I'll just say that.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm going appreciate- to
2: get people in my mentions after this.
1: You always do this. Do you? It's like one of your your most fun fights is just talking about how great Western Mass pizza is. Oh, that's another debate I saw on Twitter. Where, where do you think Western Mass starts? Like, when do you go from Central Mass to Western Mass? What town?
2: Uh... I mean I've I've heard some people say Worcester's in Western Mass which is ludicrous. Absolutely oh, ludicrous.
1: I was going to say west of 128 is western mass like west of 95 is that's all western mass. I don't go outside the beltway.
2: I don't know what 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 towns are you talking about. I, I don't know
1: the you don't know where I mean I know the roads through, but I don't know. Waltham, Lexington, uh
2: you're going to say Waltham's western mass?
1: Dude, I'm I'm a I'm a product of the Beltway. I don't go outside. Nah,
2: it it's probably when you get to like exit 8 on the Mass Pike with like Palmer and Ware and shit.
1: Oh, so like past I don't go past on the Mass Pike like once the 84 happens, I don't go past that. So is that like that's western mass?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, that I would say that's the beginning of western mass, like beyond Worcester beyond some of them them towns. And then you get to to the glorious, glorious Western Mass.
1: Where where the true pizza is made. They got the best brick ovens out in Western no Mass. No lie. Here.
2: Don't don't sleep on Western Mass pizza.
1: I've never been awake to Western Mass, uh, so I cannot sleep on that. But um, next time I'm out in, in uh, the Berkshires. Red
2: Rose, of- Joe's Pizza Shop, <laughs> uh, Peppa's, I mean, Antonio's. Oh, my mouth is watering.
1: Jay, I I don't even have to ask you this question because we just made it true. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna say, Western Mass pizza discussion is potable. You want to know why?
2: Because because it's, it's, it's the best pizza pot-able! ever. But for real, it's the best pizza ever.